Greetings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Sunday School Podcast for January 7th, 2024, the first Sunday after the Epiphany of our Lord, also known as the Sunday of the Baptism of our Lord. For our Sunday School lesson this week, we're continuing our course through the CPH textbook, 120 Bible Stories. And today we've reached the story of Joseph's dreams in Genesis chapter 37. In the textbook, this is on page 38. Now, as we recall from our stories just before Christmas... Jacob has 11 sons, and they're born of four different women. Remember, he has two wives, Leah and Rachel, because he was tricked into marrying Leah. And then he went and married Rachel as well. And then he also, at their insistence, had children by their maidservants, Bilhah and Zilpah. So now you have 11 sons in one household from one father and four different mothers, which is frankly a terrifying family dynamic. Of these 11 sons, Joseph is the youngest. He's closest in age, or closer in age anyways, to the maidservant's sons than he is to Leah's son. And Joseph is, by far, the favorite of Jacob, his father. Within Genesis 37, we read that he is the son of Jacob's old age. And what that means is that Jacob had to wait a long time for Joseph to be born because Rachel, his favorite wife, the wife he wanted to marry all along, was barren for quite a while. And so Jacob had to wait for a son to be born, and that son was Joseph. All right, so you have one household, 11 sons, one dad, four moms, and the youngest of the 11 sons is by far the father's favorite. What could go wrong in that household? Let's pick up the story with Genesis chapter 37, verse 1 and following, and we read, Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. So in these first few verses of Genesis 37, we see trouble brewing. 
There was kind of this huge age range among Jacob's sons, from Reuben the oldest down to Joseph the youngest. And Joseph, again, is close in age to the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, the maidservants. But as they, uh, as they live together, Joseph brings a bad report about the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah to his father. Nobody likes a tattletale. We don't know if the report was justified or not. But the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah are not going to like Joseph more because he's turned them in for whatever they were doing wrong. So that's strike one against Joseph. Strike two is this, because Jacob, also known as Israel, loves Joseph more than any of the rest of his sons, he gives him a gift. The text says, a robe of many colors. Now, just for your information, not a huge point, but in the Hebrew of the Old Testament, we know that Jacob gave him a robe, but we're not really for sure what the adjective means. In other words, the Hebrew says something that we don't know if it means many colors or not. However, we also have the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Old Testament written before Jesus was born of Mary. And when we don't know what a word means, we often rely on the Septuagint to help us out and interpret the Hebrew. And when the Septuagint, the Greek, says that Jacob gave Joseph a robe, it says it gave him a robe, he gave him a robe of many colors. So that's where the many colors comes from. So now Joseph... The favorite son is wearing a special robe that nobody else has that declares, I'm the favorite son. Whether or not Joseph's brothers should resent him or despise him, hate him, you can certainly see why they would, why they wouldn't speak peacefully to him. All right, in verse 5 and following, we read, Now, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Just the hatred keeps getting bigger and bigger because as the youngest of the 11 boys, Joseph is least likely to be the one who has authority over the rest. So this dream seems like another ridiculous moment with Joseph. He's daddy's favorite. Now he believes he'll rule over the rest of us. You can see again why they would resent Joseph. So we're up to what? Strike three or so by now? Maybe strike four. 
Anyways, the next few verses don't help. We read in verse 9 and following. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. So Joseph has a dream, 11 stars, obviously symbolizing um, the brothers, sun and moon, mom and dad, they all bow down to him. And of course, the brothers hate him even more for this. His father rebukes him for it, but still keeps in mind that, uh, that Joseph has had this dream. So while he says, don't tell us to your brothers and me, he still thinks, but maybe there's something to this. At any rate, Joseph has these dreams, and he tells his brother what his dreams are. Now, a lot has been made about Joseph's demeanor, his character. He's, what, about 17 years old at this point when he's having these dreams. And um, I can remember one more than one Sunday school lesson that said, well, clearly, you know, as the favorite son... Joseph is just full of himself, right? He's probably strutting around like a peacock in his coat of many colors. He's boasting of these dreams that he's had and figures nothing can go wrong because he's daddy's favorite and needs to be brought down a notch or two. And that may be completely true, but it's not necessarily so. It is possible that Joseph who will be a type of Christ. It could be that he is a humble and modest youth who understands that he's father's favorite and he's trying to downplay that as much as possible that when he turns in Bilhah's and Zilpah's sons for, for doing something bad, it's because they're doing something bad. Maybe they're about to burn the barn down for all we know. It may be that when Joseph has his dreams, he knows his brothers are going to hate them, but he also knows that these dreams are from God and that he, therefore, is a prophet. And whether or not his hearers want to hear God's message, he, as a prophet, is obligated to tell them what the prophecy is. We don't know Joseph's demeanor. Again, I've heard him described more as this teenage brat, but it's possible that it's quite, quite different that already he is, um, he is a humble servant seeking to serve God by, by declaring what God has foretold in his dreams. Anyways, Joseph's dreams do indicate that he will rule over his family, and that seems exceedingly unlikely since, again, he's the youngest. That's contrary to tradition. He'd have to flip things on their head for the youngest to rule over all of his older brothers. 
The story continues with verse 12. Now, his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. And he said to him, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring me word. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a man found him wandering in the fields, and the man asked him, What are you seeking? He said, I am seeking my brothers. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock. And the man said, They have gone away, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. So this tells us that while the rest of the brothers are assigned to shepherd duty, Joseph is still at home with his father until his father Jacob decides to send Joseph out to see how his other sons are doing. Which kind of makes you wonder what kind of a father Jacob is. Well, I mean, we already know that he has 11 boys from four different women, um, which probably doesn't help the family dynamic. But, but now he takes his favorite son and says, Hey, I know the rest of my sons hate you, so I'm sending you alone to check up and see how they're doing. Seems unwise to say the least. Verse 18, They, his brothers, saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. All right, so the brothers see Joseph coming by himself, and they conspire to kill him, strip him of his robe, fake his death, actually kill him, and then fake his death by wild animals. Because if he's dead, obviously his dreams won't come true. Reuben intervenes. He's the oldest of the brothers, the firstborn of Jacob and Leah, and he persuades them not to kill Joseph. Probably no great love for his little brother, but he'd be probably the closest to his father as the firstborn, and he knows what Joseph's death would do to his dad. So he persuades him to fake Joseph's death, grab the robe, throw him in a pit, and Reuben's plan is to circle back around, rescue Joseph, and send him back to his father. But in verse 25 we read, Then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead, 
with her camels bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him up out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. So Reuben's plan of rescuing Joseph will not happen because while he is away for the moment somewhere, Judah persuades his brothers to sell Joseph into slavery rather than than kill him there because a caravan of Ishmaelites has showed up and they apparently buy servants. By the way, it appears we have two caravans here. We have the Ishmaelites from Gilead who are passing by. Then we also have Midianite traders who are passing by. Now, it is possible that the Ishmaelites and Midianites are the same caravan, although the Ishmaelites are, of course, descendants of Ishmael, the brother of Isaac, son of Abraham. The Midianites are also descendants of Abraham. Remember how um, after Sarah died, Abraham married Keturah and they had more children? The Midianites are descendants of Abraham and Keturah. So now you have Ishmaelites, descendants of Abraham, and Midianites, descendants of Abraham, purchasing Joseph, a descendant of Abraham. So it's kind of an extended family thing going on here. But in all of this, Joseph is a descendant of Isaac and a son of Jacob. And while Joseph himself will not carry on the Messianic line, At this point, he is part of the promise, right? Um, God promised that it was through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that the nations would be blessed. So Joseph is in the promise, part of the family. The Ishmaelites and the Midianites are not. So while Reuben is gone, the brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit And they sell him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And off Joseph goes to Egypt. Verses 29 to 36 to wrap up our story. When Reuben returned to the pit and saw that Joseph was not in the pit, he tore his clothes and returned to his brothers and said, The boy is gone and I, where shall I go? Then they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. And they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, This we have found. Please identify whether it is is your son's robe or not. And he identified it and said, It is my son's robe. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. 
Then Jacob tore his garments and put sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. All right, so since Reuben can't rescue Joseph, and Joseph is off to Egypt and can't be recovered, now they do have to fake his death. So they dip his robe in goat blood, show it to his father, to their father, who identifies it as Joseph's robe, one of a kind, and therefore Jacob assumes that Joseph is dead. His family tries to comfort him, but he is inconsolable as he mourns that his favorite son has been devoured by wild beasts. Meanwhile, Joseph is not dead. Instead, the, uh, the Midianites acquire him, apparently from the Ishmaelites, and they sell him in Egypt to Potiphar, the captain of the guard, one of Pharaoh's officers. And so we have the story of how Joseph goes from being favorite son to an Egyptian slave. Within this story, though, which is kind of a bridge explaining how Joseph ends up in Egypt, there are a few points that really point to Christ. First off, Joseph is the beloved son among Jacob's many sons. He is the only son of Rachel, at least to this point, and that sets him apart. And he's also the youngest, which makes him least likely to rule over the family. Jesus, of course, is God's beloved son. God says so. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. As Joseph is born to a barren woman, again, we have this theme of Jesus is another miracle child like Joseph born to Mary. And as this one born to Mary in the little town of Nazareth up in Galilee, as Joseph seems least likely to have authority over his brothers, as Jesus is born of Joseph and Mary as his first bed is a manger, it seems very unlikely that he will ever have any authority, much less be king of kings and lord of lords, and rule over all nations forever. Second, Joseph is a prophet, and his prophecies foretell the time when his family, his family who rebukes him and rejects him, will eventually bow down to him, and this foreshadows Jesus. He too is rejected by his own people, but every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Third, the Father sends his beloved Son to check up on his unruly, disobedient sons. 
kind of reminds you of the parable of the vineyard where the uh, master sends his, his servants to the tenants and the tenants beat up his servants. So he sends more servants and they get beat up too. And then, and then the, uh, the master sends his son who then is killed. The master in that parable in Matthew should know better. Likewise, Jacob ought to know better too. He knows his other sons hate Joseph, and yet he sends him. And this is a type of of God the Father and God the Son. God the Father knows exactly what's going to happen to Jesus. So does Jesus. The cross awaits. And yet the Father sends his Son. And the Son willingly goes to, well, check up on God's disobedient people, if you will. To care for them as he can, and to suffer death at their hands, where Joseph's death is only faked by his rebellious brothers, Jesus is truly crucified. Joseph is betrayed by his brothers and sold for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus will be betrayed by Judas sold to the high priest, essentially, for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph is stripped of his robe, his coat of many colors, or whatever that special robe was. He's stripped of his robe and he's sold off into slavery, considered dead by those who sell him. At the cross, Jesus is stripped of his robe, and then he is crucified. Remember, the guards cast lots for his robe. One of them wins and and takes it away with him. Another thing, Joseph suffers at the hands of his brothers and Ishmaelites both. So um, descendants of Jacob, Israelites, and Ishmaelites. And when Jesus suffers, he will suffer at the hands of both his fellow Jews as well as Gentiles. So in this betrayal and this exile of Joseph from the land, he points to Christ in many ways. And then a quick final note. Although Joseph is a type of Christ, remember he does not continue the Messianic line. Jesus will be a descendant of Judah. And in this text, Judah persuades his brothers to sell Joseph into slavery. So it's not like Judah is an outstanding saint of a guy. And yet, Judah will be the one, the the ancestor through whose line Jesus is born, even though he's a scoundrel, as he'll prove later on in Genesis. Meanwhile, Joseph, who's a type of Christ in this story, his descendants will be Ephraim and Manasseh. One tribe of Israel will be named after each of them. And when things fall apart in Israel, Ephraim and Manasseh will be the two most wicked tribes. So you have this um, this, this strange... Uh, chiasm or juxtaposition, the scoundrel of a son paves the way with his descendants to Jesus, 
the saint of his son, the favorite, his descendants end up to be the most wicked among a very disobedient people. All of this shows that Jesus doesn't save us by our virtue. God doesn't pick us for his purposes because we behave so well. But God makes use of all people to accomplish his will in various ways. And with that, we conclude our look at Joseph's dreams in Genesis chapter 37. God bless you as you meditate upon this text more. God grants you every good gift if you are teaching it to others. And until we speak again, the Lord order your days and your deeds in his peace. Amen.